Good morning, church. <laughs> Thank you. So I feel the need just a little bit to, to clarify the story that Pastor Chris shared about me uh, when I attempted to cross the road. In Australia, or at least in the city that I come from, if you see the numbers ticking down, that's how long you have before the cars start moving. What I did not realize here in Riverside, down in downtown, that's how long you have until you can start crossing. And so I make it probably about a third of the way across, sort of just a little bit too far that uh, it would make sense to turn back quickly when all of a sudden cars start moving all around me in the middle of the road. I've never been so terrified. I just sprinted across, made it safely. I'm still here. I can preach my first sermon, which is really exciting. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a journey, church, if I'm being honest, reaching this point. Uh, it's been a few months of prayer and stress and applying for a hundred different things. And I reached a real, real milestone just on Thursday, two days ago, which was super exciting for me. I now have a US social security number. <laughs> so I can legally work here. Um, but before I go any further, before we actually start the message here at La Sierra University Church, we have a tradition that I'm coming to learn, which I think is a really great tradition, and that is we all actually stand together for the reading of the Word. So I'd like to invite you to do that with me now. And today I'll be reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. The Word of God. So we're on week three this week of dead prophets living voices. In the first week, Pastor Chris really helped us to start thinking about this topic and, and helped us to understand the importance of the prophetic voice. And she established for us that the primary role or the primary purpose in Scripture for the prophetic is to receive and communicate the heart of God to people. And then last week, she took us on a slightly different journey into the life and the heart of Ellen White, who is one of our church's founding members and someone we believe that God gave an incredible gift of prophecy to for the Advent movement. Today, we're going to change tack just a little bit. I was reflecting on all of this and I thought, that is fantastic, but what does that mean for me today in 2020? What on earth am I supposed to do with this whole concept of the prophetic voice? There are so many voices out there, and if you're listening to them, some are boldly proclaiming that they have a, a prophetic gift or something that they can share for the world, and others may be a little more subtle but they truly believe that they have a message from God for us today. But here's the problem. I look around and I hear all of these voices and all of these messages, and the problem is that they don't all agree with one another. In fact, they can often stand in direct opposition 
to each other. And, and what am I supposed to do with that when, when your pastor says one thing and then the, the preacher that you follow online says something else and then your friend who believes that God has given them a prophetic word for your life says something totally different? What on earth are you supposed to do with that? Almost seems crazy that we can see the same things, live in the same world, read the same Bible, follow the same God, yet reach wildly different conclusions about what God is actually doing here in our lives, in our world today. So to illustrate this, I thought we could play a little game together. Don't worry, it's not too stressful, it's not too difficult. On the screen, there's gonna be two options in just a moment, and if you think it's the first option that I read out, I just want you to put your hand on your head. If you think it's the second option that, that, I, that I say, I would like you to just put your finger on your nose, just so we can see that, that different people are seeing different things, and that it's possible to look at the same thing and see something totally different. Can we look at the first one, please? If you think that is a duck, I want you to put your hand on your head. If you think it's a rabbit, I want you to put a finger on your nose. A few ducks, a few rabbits, a few maybe not so sure. That one's all right. Can, can, can people see both of them? We've got a few people doing this. Yeah, they're both there. <laughs> all right, let's look at the next one. Okay, if you see a man playing the saxophone, hand on head. If you see a lady's face, finger on nose. Ooh, a little bit trickier. Feeling a little bit hesitant on this one. All right, the next one's really fun. Let's have a look at, are there four or three? Head for four, nose for three. Are there four or three logs on the ground there? What do you reckon? All right, now for my absolute favorite, because it took me the longest, I spent like 10 minutes looking at this one before I could see the second thing. Is that a young lady looking away, hand on head, or is it an old lady turning sideways, finger on nose? Oh, that's a tricky one. The young lady looking away, hand on head, or an older lady facing sideways, finger on nose. Do you know, it took me 10 whole minutes to actually see the older lady facing sideways in that one. I had to search and search and search until I saw it. But they did a study about this particular one, and they showed the image just for one second to a group of over 400 people to try and see what they saw first. And they didn't know that they were looking for age. They then asked the 400 people how old they thought the person was. Was it an older person or a younger person? And what's interesting is that almost everybody who was above a certain age seemed to think it was an older person. And almost everybody who was younger seemed to think it was a young person. And it's interesting the way that we sometimes associate things unknowingly, perhaps, to our own biases or worldview. Okay, there's one more for us to look at. Let's look at the last one. God is still speaking today. Hand on head for yes, finger on nose for no. All right, this seems to be a vote of general consensus that God is still speaking today. Which is interesting because for many of us, 
we have no idea what he's saying. And a lot of the time, I'd have to put myself in that category. I don't know about you, but sometimes the temptation for myself is to essentially reach the point where current prophetic voice or current word of God is just too difficult. I just put it in the too hard basket. I can't deal with that right now because it's easier for me to think that prophecy or the prophetic voice is something that happened a long time ago in the times of scripture and then maybe in the life of Ellen White and it's going to happen again a long time from now into the future when the Bible talks about things like the latter rain and the outpouring of the Spirit on all people. It's easier for me to believe sometimes that I live between those two worlds and don't have to deal with perhaps what God is saying or speaking to me right now. But that too has a problem. Because if the primary purpose of the prophetic voice is to receive and communicate the heart of God to people, and if we actually believe, and I happen to be one of those people, that God is still speaking today, then, there is a dire consequence to ignoring the prophetic. Because if we ignore the prophetic, what we are essentially saying is that we don't really believe that God has anything new to say. We don't really believe that there is anything more for God to reveal about himself. There is no insight into perhaps what he would like to offer you and like to offer me sitting here in 2020. In fact, I would go as far as saying that if we ignore the prophetic, we open the door to a faith that is static and stagnant. Rob Bell in his book Velvet Elvis, which is one of my all-time favorite books, puts it this way. He says, here's what often happens. Somebody comes along who has a fresh perspective on the Christian faith. People are inspired. A movement starts. Faith that was stale and dying is now alive. That sounds pretty good, right? But he continues, but then the pioneer of the movement dies and the followers stop exploring. They mistakenly assume that their leader's words were the last ones on the subject and they freeze their leader's words. They forget that as that innovator was doing his or her part to move things along, that person was merely taking part in the discussion that will go on forever. And so in their commitment to what so-and-so said and did, they end up freezing the faith. If you happen to identify as an Adventist Christian this morning, and that doesn't make you squirm just a little bit on the inside in your seat as you read those words, I'm not sure what will. God is still speaking, and we're invited to join the conversation. That doesn't mean that we ignore or set aside the people of the past, such as Ellen White, one of our founding members. It actually means, if, if anything, that we interact with her and interact with her writings and interact with the people that have gone before us. But rather than stopping and ceasing the conversation and trying to maintain traditions of old, we're invited to step into a space where we become contributors and we actually have something that we can offer because we believe that God is still speaking and he's still speaking to us right here, right now, 
today. And as we, we begin to do this, we get to join this discussion that goes on forever, and God calls us to add life and richness and beauty and color into the lives of those around us. And all of this brings us full circle back to the original question. So there's voices, there's messages, God is speaking, but who or what are you listening to? And how do we know those voices come from God? The verse that we, we shared together said, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. And here I think we have this, this, almost this assumption that, hey, the prophetic is going to be in the church. The prophetic is a part of who we are and a part of what it means to follow Jesus is to hear his voice and respond to his voice in the world around us. So, so it's, it's going to be there. We can't just pretend it's something of the past and something of the future and keep our heads down and get on with a stale faith. It is there, but it continues, but test everything that is said. We can't just blindly accept anything and everything that someone says comes from God, because if we're being honest, that would lead to a wild and an inconsistent existence. Hold on to what is good. It's okay to sift and to think through and to be critical about the words that we hear or think we hear from God. Why? Because a word from God will remain good and will remain steadfast through even the harshest of testing. So we hold on to what is good. Now the New Testament is actually very interested in making sure that we know who we're listening to and that we know what we are listening to. Galatians 1 states that we need to make sure we don't listen to any gospel or any warping of the gospel other than the one taught in Scripture by the apostles and the disciples in the writings and in the letters that they wrote. 1 John 4 is extremely cautious of anybody who would make any claim that was counter to who Jesus is, even in any small or tiny way. If something goes a little bit against the character of Jesus and the nature of his gospel, it requires great caution in dealing with it. Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 7 that if you want to work out whether or not someone has a prophetic gift, look at their fruits. And what he means by that is look at the outcomes. If they've made a specific prediction, does it come true? If they're claiming that they're hearing things from God and walking in step with God, does their life line up with what a follower of God would look like? And I could go on, but all of this is to say that even in the days of the New Testament, even in the early church, there were people everywhere claiming to receive messages from God because they believed that God was speaking or to have insight into his word. And in a world where people everywhere are claiming that, it calls for us to have a little word, discernment. Discernment is one of those words we throw around a lot in, in Christian circles and in spiritual conversations. And what do we actually mean by the word discernment? We, we associate it with wisdom. We associate it with, with reaching some form or some understanding perhaps of what God is doing or what his plan is for the world uh, or what he really means in or about a particular situation. 
The Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of the word discernment simply states, the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. The quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. This is something easier said than done, right? This is something that, that is challenging, especially, I think, when it comes to the prophetic, when it comes to believing that I'm hearing or someone is hearing something from God and knowing whether or not that is true. There's a few things and thoughts that I've had as I've been journeying with this and as I've reflected on my own life, you know, what questions do I ask? How do I test? How do I know whether something is from God or not? And I'm going to put a list up in a moment. Now, this is by no means exhaustive. It's by no means the, the end of the entire conversation, but I think it's a great starting place. If you're trying to determine, is this a prompting from God or is this the burrito I ate last night? Or if you're trying to determine, hey, this person just tried to speak something into my life, but uh, is it true? Or if you're trying to determine, hey, the preacher got up and said a bunch of stuff, but how do I feel about that really? Is that really God or, or are they being pretty opinionated? Here's the four questions that, that I've got. Let's throw that slide up. First one is, does it align with all of Scripture? Not just one verse or not just one little part, but if you sit and you consider your understanding of the greater narrative of the Bible, does what you're hearing align with that? There was a Baptist pastor who, who puts it this way. He said, if it's new, it's not true. And what he means by that is not that God will never say a new thing ever again, but what he means by that is whatever God says will align with his character and with the greater narrative of the scriptures. The second question, are you being called into a relationship with Jesus? Over and over in the New Testament, a test of whether somebody actually had uh, a godly thought for you in their life or whether they didn't was around what gospel were they preaching? What gospel were they presenting? Are you being called into a relationship with Jesus? And is that relationship one that is in line with the Jesus the Bible talks about? The third one is an interesting one. Often when we think about prophets and prophecies in the Old Testament or, or people that might stand up and claim to have a word from God, it sounds kind of angry, right? You, you sit and you think, whoa, this is, this is pretty condemning and pretty full on. Well, if angry, and not always, but if angry, is it angry about the kind of things that Jesus would get angry about? When I read my New Testament, I read Jesus getting angry when he saw oppression and oppressive systems in place. See Jesus getting angry when people used religion as a, a way for personal gains and as a way for getting ahead in the world. I see Jesus getting angry when people are downtrodden and put out for what they believe or for who they are or for, for something about them that didn't quite fit in the community they found themselves. If angry, is it angry about what Jesus would be angry about? And finally, the most challenging one for me, does the voice confirm your bias or broaden your perspective? Very rarely in the Bible is there a prophecy or a message from God spoken 
that was exactly what the person receiving it wanted to hear. Very rarely was that the case. More often than not, prophecy or words from God has the role or the place in our lives of broadening our perspective, broadening our understanding of who God is, broadening our understanding that, hey, God didn't just come to save people that look like me, broadening our understanding of what it means to be a follower of God. Does the voice confirm your bias or broaden your perspective? If you find all of the voices you listen to in your life start to look like you, sound like you, think like you, have the same worldview and philosophy as you, there is a good chance, not a definite chance, but a good chance that you are building God into your image rather than being made into his. Does the voice confirm your bias or broaden your perspective? When I think about experiences of the prophetic in my own life, there's one story that comes to mind. It was my first year in ministry, and if I'm being honest, it was a really, really rough year. Family was in turmoil. There was, there was just all this stuff going on personally. Ministry was stressful. I was starting to really question, is this something I want for my life? Is so many other careers I could be doing? Is this a, a path that I really want to pursue and follow? And then one day I woke up and I had a phone call. And it was one of those phone calls that as a pastor you get pretty nervous about. And the call was, hello, Pastor David. I've been watching, I'm not sure what it was, some Adventist TV show. Um, and I have some questions about your understanding of biblical prophecy. Could you come over for a visit? Oh, strike. Uh, sure. <laughs> Let me just brush up on all those things I wish to. And so you, you pull out the studies and you go through, you think, oh, okay, yeah, I think I'm ready to explain this to this lady, maybe. And I pull up at her house and I'm pretty nervous. I think, all right, you can do this, Dave. You get out the door and you go in. And I'm greeted sitting on her front porch by one of the most gorgeous people I think I've ever met. She was 95 years old, and she was a Messianic Jew. And we started off, and maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes, she had a few questions, and we entered into a little bit of dialogue, and that was nice. But then she pivoted the conversation, and she said, Dave, can I share with you my story? I'd love to hear your story. And she starts to share she's been a Christian for 65 years. When she was 30 years old, she was an extremely, extremely devout Jew. And then one day, somebody introduced Jesus to her. She had no idea what to do with this knowledge or this idea or this concept, but she thought, well, maybe, maybe he is who this person says he is. And then one night as she's asleep, she receives a dream. And she says, 65 years later, I can remember that dream like it just happened. I was climbing a mountain in my sleep and it was the hardest mountain I've ever had to climb. And I finally make it right up to the top of this mountain and at the top there's a little hut. She says, I walked into the hut 
and was met there by Jesus. She said, Dave, I have never experienced love like that before. She said, every single atom of my entire body from head to toe felt more loved than I had ever felt. She woke up the next morning and she was a Christian. The story doesn't end there. She's one of these people who has been passionately in love and pursuing Jesus her entire life. And she, she says all of her children, she has 21 grandchildren, she has 22 great-grandchildren, this big, big family. She says, Dave, I pray for them, each and every one of them, every single day. She says, 65 years later, I've seen them go through good things and bad things. I've seen them walk away from God and come back to God. I've seen them find themselves in all different faith traditions and walks. But she says, I can tell you, not one single member of my family does not have a relationship with Jesus right now. Wouldn't that be the prayer of every grandparent here? The prayer of somebody who loved hard with the passionate love of the gospel of Jesus, who prayed believing that God was still speaking and that God wasn't done yet with her family. She sits and she explains that she's not so worried about the differences in doctrine that her family have. She said, oh, the Holy Spirit will lead them into all truth, and that might be in this life, or maybe the next. And then she looks at me and she says, Dave, can I pray for you? And she hadn't heard my full story. She didn't know where I was at or or how difficult my year had been. I thought I'd turned up to her house to answer questions about Bible prophecy. And instead, she ministered to me in the most incredible way. She said, Dave, can I pray for you? And I said, yes, please, I would love that. And she starts to pray. And she prays and she thanks God for loving her family and for caring for her through life. And she starts to pray over me and then she stops. She stands up and this little 95-year-old lady comes over to where I'm sitting. She places both of her hands on my head. And then she prays again. She prays one of the most powerful prayers I have ever heard in my entire life. She prayed over my ministry. She prayed that I would never let go of Jesus, that I would keep following him and that I would keep pursuing him with everything that I had. She prayed that that I would be able to influence and witness others with the gospel of Christ. And as she finishes this prayer by now, both of us have tears pouring down our face and it's just this most hope-giving, life-giving moment. She finishes up and I open my eyes and she looks at me and then she just starts doing this in a circle. And she just starts singing, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And she did that for a couple of minutes. And it was not awkward, as awkward as that looks when I'm the one doing it. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And just so convicted in that moment that I'd had an encounter with the spirit of prophecy. I'd had an encounter with a prophetic voice. With someone who's, you look at the fruits of her life, you think, wow, this person has followed Jesus. 
someone who speaks a gospel that's so inclusive and so loving that everybody can be included in it. I look at that and I'm reminded God is still speaking. He can speak through a 95-year-old lady. He can speak through a two-year-old child. The prophetic is alive and well in the 21st century today. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to be nervous about. But it is something that takes discernment. So the challenge today for us, I believe, is to pause. To pause and name the voices that you are listening to. And ask, are these voices God? Is God really speaking? Test everything, but hold on for dear life to what is good.